This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Bucknutters. It is Tuesday, January 2nd. I am Dan Rubin. This is the Bucknuts Morning 5 and Change. Got a great show planned for you today. First half of the show, we will go with the one and only Patrick Murphy. We're going to talk about all things Ohio State as we attempt to move on to another uh, iteration of an offseason. And then at the halfway point, we will break and we will bring in Steve Wolfong to talk recruiting and all other things. Pat, how goes it? It's good. Happy 2024, everyone. Yes, this will be, this is my first appearance on the show since whatever that was in Dallas. I I hesitate to call it a football game because it certainly didn't feel like one. But as you people know, I digress in 24 like I do in 23. Let's start with some current events. Apparently there was football played yesterday. Who knew? Um, Michigan beating Alabama. Washington uh, beat Texas. Does Michigan beating Alabama give you more faith in the Buckeyes? Your thoughts on what you saw yesterday, last night, and kind of how it fits into the uh, Scarlet and Gray vibes? I think, first of all, it's interesting that in the final iteration of the four-team college football playoff, we get maybe the two best semifinals. Last year, I guess, they were pretty good as well. But uh, it seems like right as this thing's ending, they've finally gotten it right where you're getting the games that you expect to get instead of the blowouts we got early on. Uh, But as those games in particular, um, look, credit to Michigan. Uh, That was not the Alabama teams that dominated college football playoff. But it's still a Nick Saban coach team that that won the SEC and Michigan went out and showed why they were ranked number one. I think, look, as a, an Ohio State fan, you hate to see Michigan win. You hate to see them as a team in the national championship game. But I think it does at least lend some credence to the fact that you went toe to toe with this team on the road. And, you know, we're one play uh, where an offensive lineman gets tripped by another offensive lineman leading to an interception away from that being your opportunity in the Rose Bowl, which I know is tough to stomach, but I think when when we look back on all this, especially if the uh, punishments for Michigan come down the way that, that many have thought, there'll be some positivity um, in retrospect. And then in the other game, 
I thought that was a, another fun one. Obviously, a very different football game in terms of the scoring. Uh, I had assumed Texas was going to to pull that out there at the end. Quinn Ewers, another Buckeye connection there. I thought finally got it going and you know just came up a little bit short. But now you've got two Big Ten teams. Uh, as soon as this next game is over, Washington in the Big Ten. That's so, uh, yeah, battle of Big Big Ten or future Big Ten teams in in the national title game. So, um, I think I know who everyone's going to be cheering for in that championship game on on this, this side of things. But uh, yeah, I think it'll be a fun game nonetheless. You get to see Michigan's defense try and handle this high powered offense, and Michael Penix, former Indiana quarterback, playing against Michigan again. So, uh, yeah, there's a lot of good storylines there, and, and I'm glad we had some fun ones. They weren't duds. Yeah, ironically, the Alabama game, I agree with you completely on the team that they beat. It kind of reminds me of the team Ohio State beat in the playoff mm-hmm. with the uh, baseball player for a quarterback who couldn't really throw the ball downfield great. I should have probably researched that name. But um, you could tell when Alabama had to move the ball down the field via the pass, they just aren't a – fully capable offense. Um, and I give Michigan credit definitely to the, their strength and depth in the middle of their lines. Um, their 44 super seniors and such definitely helped. I do find it funny, and I knew we were going to get questions like this. You're going to get a bunch of um, – I think Twitter has really ex- accelerated this vibe. Johnny Sarcastic guy coming in saying, now is Nick Saban soft? Uh, you know, all the things they said about Ryan Day when you see them happen to another team and then you directly apply that. So, look, um, from the Ohio, Ohio State perspective, everything's on the table now, I would hope. Um, it's just a matter of perspective. Like you said, are, is Ohio State the program that has, you know, um, lost at Michigan? And I think we Michigan's the favorite. I think three and a half points in the championship game now. So did they lose on the last possession at the national champ this year? And did they lose by a hair of a field goal? It wasn't a hair. Um, against Georgia the year before, who was the national champion? That's a really important decision to make perspective-wise, because if you're close, how many changes do you make? And sometimes, um, I use this point with the Boston Celtics, is in my opinion, if you keep getting 24 and a half miles on a 26 mile marathon, maybe you're just proving you can't do the last mile and a half. Pat, which is it? That is the ultimate question, right? I you mean, don't make three and a half million dollars or nine million dollars to decide. No, I do not. Uh, that'd be nice. Mm-hmm. Look, I think I think it does give perspective. I think that's a good word. Um, you know, I think the the Cotton Bowl performance has to be evaluated differently than the rest of the season because of the changes at quarterback and, and obviously even more changes than you expected going into the game. Uh, the self-inflicted offensive line changes, which is still perplexing to me that you would not only do that, but then stick with it throughout the whole game. If what Ryan day said was true and the whole focus was to win the game. Um, but I do think if you look at this season as a whole, you know, you're right there. It's, it's, it's a couple things and that's the difference every year, right? It's, it's one thing here or there, um, whether it's something on the coaching staff or something you didn't do, did do in recruiting, uh, development, all that stuff. And Ryan Day has to evaluate all of that. And I think 
because these seasons, I and I use the term plural, these last three seasons have come up short, regardless of how close you were, that that's not what Ohio State wants. Ohio State expects to be in the college football playoff, uh, whether it's four or 12 teams, and expects to be beating Michigan and being in the Big Ten championship game. So, you know, two years ago, Ryan Day took a hard look at the defense and made changes that I think by now we can all say have have borne fruit. And now you've got to look at the offensive side of the ball. I think he has to look at himself and really evaluate whether he can be the play caller. I think he's got to look at Justin Fry, his friend, and decide if that is the guy to not only recruit offensive linemen, but develop the ones that are there and, you know, make assessments like who should be playing center in one of the biggest games of the year when everyone's watching, Um, you know, and and beyond that, I, I think you look at every member of the staff and say, are you doing your job to the highest ability uh, that can can get us to back to where we want to be. I think Tony Alford, I think you have to evaluate what Brian Hartline uh, is bringing because you promoted him to offensive coordinator. We obviously know what he's done as a wide receivers coach, and that's been fantastic. But if you're not going to use him publicly as an offensive coordinator, we can't say what happened behind the scenes when when they're at the Woody. Um, but he certainly didn't change anything. It was still Ryan Day's offense. So I think everybody kind of has to be under the microphone and that include or microscope. And that includes Ryan Day, who has to assess himself. And, and you were talking to me before we started. You mentioned new president, new AD coming in. I think they will will be keeping a close eye on, on what Ryan Day does here. And, um, you know, I don't think he is fully on the hot seat from their perspective. I know. So there are some fans that want so- Ryan Day out. Yeah, um, but I do think that it's it, it will get warmer, especially if next season does not go as well. Um, you know, and and you know you're not at least eleven and one at the end of the year, and you do beat Michigan at home and all that. I mean, we could literally talk about this for hours because there's so sure. many variables going into this. Because, like you just said, Ohio State would not have missed the playoff really without you know the fickle year and stuff for the last like thirty years. So yeah. we got to put that in perspective. Here's kind of a bummer as I look back on it. I think this year's defense, last year's offense, unfortunately, and I hate to say is I think you win the national championship handily. Yep. I hate to say that out loud. I don't like that kind of perspective, but I only say that because they have shown they have a championship offense. They have shown they could put together what I honestly believe could have won the championship on defense, but you have to play a certain way. They got worn down. Let's bring me back to the Cotton Bowl. I've not commented on that. I thought the defense played great, got worn down. Um, I'm not going to say Ohio State has a front-running defense, but they're not built like Michigan to get into a complete and total slugfest. They're built to get a lead and then squeeze you out, mm-hmm. uh, make you make mistakes and blow you off the field. Unfortunately, kind of like my Cowboys. So if you fall behind early, you can be up the creek. That said, if you had C.J. Stroud at quarterback – and a better offensive line, you would have been in good shape. And that brings me to that. The offensive line, to me, is so by far the major issue on the team. Number one, nothing close. I wouldn't address anything else before the offensive line. You can't build a program based on quarterbacks and high-profile wide receivers breaking out when you can't block anybody, and therefore Carnell Tate can't even get a ball thrown to him at his chest, Okay. It's a chicken or the egg thing, and the chicken is the offensive line here. Okay. They there are no starters, in my opinion, on the offensive line. None. Zero. It's a complete 
open competition, um, this is what I would do. Okay. I'm not in charge, thankfully, for Bucknutters. I would I would not bring back the offensive line coach. I would go pay Bill Callahan whatever he's worth, which is a lot. Um, I don't know if people know this. Bill Callahan is a genius when it comes to coaching the offensive line. And it's this he, they're not going to get Bill Callahan, who, by the way, was coach at Nebraska, came up in the Big Ten in several spots. People re- remember him as the coach of the Raiders. Um he is a genius coaching the offensive line, especially at um, 52 pickup. And by that, I mean, he does great work with guys every year. He gets his offensive line. He builds them out. Great. Regardless of development. I think development of your offensive line is great in the transfer portal era. I'm not sure development is as important as it once was. Who's got time to develop. Okay. Ohio state's made some mistakes on the offensive line. There's not a first round draft pick up there. Not even close. Okay. And I get we're coming off Paris Johnson and, uh, Dewan Jones, who started in the NFL. Someone asked me what the standard is for Ohio State offensive line. Go Google Ohio, go to Spot Track and put Ohio State offensive linemen in the NFL. That's the standard. Okay. They're not there. I don't know what they're going to do to get to that point, but they need a completely revamped offensive line. I'm talking completely. Like, I don't know what to say. I don't. The, the, the fact is this, there's money now available to make up for your mistakes. That's just a fact. That wasn't the case legally before this. Ohio State has made mistakes on the offensive line. They need to go and make up for those mistakes. You can't do that naturally. You've got to do that outside the box. Do you think it's possible they can do this? Yeah, I think well, you can. Well, and then lead that into, um, we've got to bring in Steve Wolf on here. I'm here. Can you please lead that into your vision of the transfer portal, who's out, who's in, yeah. and then who's back, who's not, et cetera. Yeah, I think if you just look at, at Michigan's offensive line this season, I think it was three guys that came out of the transfer portal, and not all of them were guys that everyone was clamoring for or at least were were highly ranked. So, look, I think Ohio State is, has probably missed on a couple guys already because they, they've waited here with the transfer portal, but – there's still opportunity, um, and it doesn't have to be a Josh Simmons. If you do your homework, you can find guys that can make a difference in this transfer portal, and there will be Pay more them. guys to enter. Yeah, exactly, exactly. In terms of the rest of the transfer portal, um, you know, I think you've seen most of the guys that go. There may be one or two more, and then obviously after spring practice, you could see another guy or two that, that doesn't like his situation uh, in terms of exiting. I do think the Buckeyes will be. Can you bring us up to bring us up to speed real quick on just what's happened since the Cotton Bowl? Yeah, in uh, terms of who's in, who's out. Yeah, Jaden uh, McDonald, the or McKenzie, McKenzie, excuse me, the the defensive tackle who has played here and there, but hasn't been an impact guy in I think four or five years, has transferred or has entered the portal. Jesse Murko, the punter, which was. Interesting coming off of one of his best games in the Cotton Bowl, um, but there are schools that punt more than Ohio State. And then we had the two wide receivers, though Bryson Rogers, I don't believe, has officially entered the portal. It was reported and, and confirmed that he's planning on doing that. And Noah Rogers, um, Bill Curlick had reported earlier in the day on uh, New Year's Eve, I think it was, that that they uh, that, that was a possibility with, with NC State being a potential landing spot. 
look, uh, I wrote this yesterday. I think Ohio State has to come to the realization that if you want to call it tampering or not, teams are reaching out to even Ohio State's you know wide receivers, which Brian Hartline has done a great job of keeping that room together. And you either are going to have to play these kids more, and Brian Hartline hasn't had a, a big rotation, or you're going to lose some of the guys. Just you know, that's what's going to happen when when teams can can do what they're doing, and there's no real rules here. So I'm not worried about the wide receiver room, as I wrote, but I do think you know this is the first time you've seen Julian Fleming and the two Rogers uh, leave. That's the most impact you've seen on a transfer portal cycle and Ohio state's wide receivers. So um, in terms of guys coming in, I do think they will be active just because the window is closing here. Doesn't mean um, guys can't still commit. It's just guys can't enter, I believe. So you, you still have that opportunity. And obviously there's, there's after spring, Ryan day talked about wanting to be active in the portal. I think that they've just had a lot going on. Um, you know, in the fallout from this game, uh, they did add a tight end from Ohio University that I know not many people were super excited about. But I do think that's a guy who can add a veteran presence in that room as you see Cade Stover exit. Um, but I don't think that will be the only guy that, that they land. And as you mentioned, offensive line has to be a priority. Three of them. I need three. I need three, Pat. Yeah, I look, I completely agree with you. Whether they do it or not, I don't know. I mean, we've seen how hesitant. Now they did add two last year, but one of them was, uh, you know, an afterthought backup in, in Vic Cutler. So you, I think you're right. You need three guys that could come in and at the very least compete heavily for a starting job, if not walk in and start on this offensive line. The quarterback situation, uh, I still think Devin Brown could be your guy, but I do think they will bring in a guy to – very much compete. Uh, I know Will Howard's name continues to be floated out there. That would not surprise me. I know there's interest on both sides. I think Will Howard is a good quarterback who would be upgraded by Ohio State's wide receiver talent, and he can he can move around. But he still needs an offensive line to be effective. And, Max. you know, that's true for any of these guys. Devin Brown, Aaron Nolan, Lincoln Keenholz, whoever. So it all comes back to what you said, Dan. You got to start there. Um, Defensively, I think they're pretty good. They could add maybe a piece or two if, if they need to, if the right guy pops in the portal. But I think enough of these guys are going to be back that if you can address those few things in the portal here and get it right, you're going to be a, a one of the, if not the front runner uh, headed into 2024. Agreed. He is Pat Murphy. He will be on this. Keep it locked into Bucknuts. Pat is. I require it by law. Thank you, sir. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition the two-way v4 gives you the tools to play at a high level learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com as if that wasn't enough look who it is the great steve wolfong joins us from 
suburban Indianapolis. Steve, how goes it? Boys, going great. Good holiday. Happy New Year to everybody. Thanks for having me on, Daniel. We have CJ Stroud coming to town on Saturday night for Uh a very pivotal, pivotal National Football League game. Winner goes to the playoff. Loser is nine and eight and has a very mediocre first round draft pick without going to the playoffs. We are stoked around here for this ball game. But we are here to talk Ohio State recruiting and not Colts Texans football. We could talk Texans football a lot. It is uh, very encouraging to see Mr. Stroud get back on the field and uh, put the final touches on his offensive rookie of the year performance. Oh, Sean Duffy, we will. Um, First, before we do that, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you what you thought of last night, uh, Michigan Outlasted Alabama in impressive fashion. And then uh, Michael Penix. Uh, Boy, if that didn't give Ohio State fans juice for wanting a transfer quarterback after seeing how he played against us at Indiana and now seeing what he looks like at Washington, that can get people talking. Your thoughts on the championship game between Michigan and Washington? Well, I think my biggest takeaway from the Michigan – uh, Alabama game was obviously the toughness that Michigan played with collectively, but Jesse Minner, Michigan's defensive coordinator, took Alabama's offensive coordinator, Tommy Reese, to the woodshed all day. And uh, um, yeah. Alabama couldn't protect. They didn't know where it was coming from. Sacks from all over the place, pressure from all over the place. Uh, Jesse Minner, certainly one of the stars in the college football space. And I, I've talked a lot about Sharon Moore being uh, as good a offensive, as good an assistant coach as there is in the country at Michigan for what he's done with the offensive line and, and certainly as offensive coordinator. But Jesse Minner last night was phenomenal for Michigan. They got a great coaching staff, a, a, a hard-nosed, tough physical football team that shows a lot of grit and certainly was able to stare at adversity in, uh, this year and, and, and get it done. And they got a chance to play for all the marbles. Ohio State, you guys are right there, man. I, I know. Look, look, I read the Bucknuts message board. I love the – we are in the diehard community here at 24-7 Sports. Again, I say this all the time. If you are reading Bucknuts, you know all 85 scholarship players. You are invested in this program. You got your nose hair trimmer in your stocking because you're watching the morning five. At a discount. And you got your discount on your nose hair trimmer. That's how invested you are in this football program. You guys lost a close one on the road to a team that might win the national championship. And look, I know that's your rival. I know you've lost three games in a row. And so that that game gets dissected more. That's the beauty of it. And and you're looking to find inches to get yourself back there. I mean, you, you lost to Michigan last year. You had Georgia on the ropes, basically a home game for Georgia in the college football playoff. You had a chance to win the game on a last second field goal. Look, I, I get it. If my aunt had balls, she'd be my uncle. But you guys are absolutely right there in the discussion year in and year out. And I, those ball games prove it. And I don't think that you – So uh, don't blow it up. Exactly, exactly, exactly. So it's back to how do we get that extra inch or two this offseason to be right, be right back there next season. I just felt like that loss to – to Michigan and then Missouri 
I just feel like there's been a different kind of uh, different kind of energy around the the boards for Ohio State football. And I'm just here to remind you that y'all are there. I mean, like the the short list of programs that have a chance to win the national championship every year. You guys are on that list. Ryan Day and this coaching staff have had you guys there. Now, certainly you haven't won all the games you want to win, but it's hard. It's hard. Oh, yeah, I mean, it's funny. As you're talking, they're commenting. And look, just to give you an idea of what we get, too many what-ifs. Sure. And by the way, my family, it was, um, if you had wheels, you'd be a trolley car. That's what my grandma used to say. Yours, yours will get people talking in the cancel culture now, which is hilarious. Um, Kevin Chavis, it's not as bad as Ohio State people are thinking. Look, the scrutiny. Hold on a sec. Gerald Goulder, Ohio State is realistically not fixable. So we're all over the map here. First of all, realistically not fixable, you need to take a deep breath. Okay, that's just not factual. Ohio State, they're expanding the playoff. You know this. And besides the fickle year, Ohio State would have made the playoff like 29 of 30 years. So let's everybody breathe. Now, they got to get quarterback fixed. They got to get offensive line fixed. Steve, can they do it? Well, Ohio State, they're the only team, I believe, since the college football playoff started to either make the playoff or a New Year's Six Bowl every year, correct? Now, this, You're in the mix for that, yes. The scrutiny of losing to Michigan three years in a row, losing to Mizzou, a tough loss to Georgia, that comes with the territory of Ohio State. You sign up for that, and so it is fair criticism. My point is, is that this program is still right there. Another top five recruiting class is being injected into this program. We'll see what Ohio State does in the portal. It's always going to be a very attractive place to high-end players in the portal because of the magnitude of the games Ohio State plays in, because of the fan base, because of the success Ohio State continuously has in the NFL draft. And so uh, it is the issues with Ohio State fixable. We're talking about tinkering, right? Um, and, and getting this thing humming to the miles per hour that um, this program wants to see year in and year out. Yeah, I think that uh, I think that um, Ohio State, when we start talking about the teams in contention next year, when all said and done, after the portal is closed and after spring football portal is closed, I think you'll see an Ohio State roster again that's going to be as competitive as any in college football. Look, we got to see him do it um, again for that matter. But And I said this to Pat on the first aspect of the show, the first segment. To me, if they fix the offensive line, everything else will, will fall into to place. Now, fix it. They got to really fix it. Uh, you said tinkering. I think they're beyond tinkering here with the offensive line. I, I agree. Other places, it's just a few tweaks. Offensive line is not a few tweaks. They need three big time players. I don't know if they're going to get them. I don't know if they're already on the roster, but they cannot go. They, they have to be able to line up and run the ball. I know you talked about uh, Michigan's defense. What impressed me most about Michigan last night is they ran the ball down Alabama's throat in crunch time. They literally were running. The guys weren't even getting touched three or four till three or four yards down the field. And Blake Corum, who I'm, you know, I got to just admit it now. The guy's stud. He's getting a running start. 
at four yards, and their their they their running game is just dominant in the fourth quarter against an Alabama team that does have studs. Now it's not, you know, what's the guy on the Eagles? Uh, the, the defensive tackles for the Eagles weren't there, Jordan Davis and uh, Carter. But still, dude, I mean that's George anyway. If we can't run the ball, we're screwed. Okay. And so everything comes from that. So until I see them revamp the offensive line, it's all deck chairs on the Titanic to me. I could be over exaggerating, but part of that is Ohio State has to get healthy in their running back room, also. Fair. You know, when the best players on the roster are able to play, they typically can run the football. And you you point to Blake Corum. I mean, Blake Corum, his ability to see the see the hole, to be patient, to then explode, change a direction. Uh, and then run hard and powerful. I mean, he's got a unique skill set. Ohio State's got some guys like Travion Henderson, who when they're on the field can be as talented as anybody, but they've had a lot of injuries the last couple of years in that running back room as well. And guys are allowed to develop too, you know, players that maybe you're not so high on right now. No, I agree. That's why I said they may be on the roster. Right. They have a chance to continue to write their own story and and, and develop and get better. And look, I, this whole offseason, as it was last year, is how do we put this roster in position to beat Michigan? And if you do that, you have a chance to win the national championship, and Michigan's going to have a chance to win the national championship next Monday. Yeah, they are. Um, that's interesting. Yeah, Bax coined this term full Cooper, which is losing the bowl game and uh, losing to Michigan and losing the bowl game. He can't do that again. So I don't care what anyone says nationally. Oh, you shouldn't be on the hot seat. Da, 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 da. I agree. He's had a great run. If he goes full Cooper again, he's going to get fired. Um, For the no, first I don't time. have any inside information on that. And I know that sounds like a, a, a drastic statement. It's not a drastic statement. Um, so that's just culture thing at Ohio State. Uh, it's very interesting, Steve. A lot of the – I want to go back to uh, their recruiting, which is the lifeblood here and the reason I'm still very, very positive – I will say this. I don't think they're going to be able – like Noah Rogers has transferred out. To me, that's just Jeremiah McClellan uh, 18 months later. We're not getting the the, the third five-star receiver anymore, and that's okay for me. He never gets on the field there anywhere, believe it or not. Um, so they may not get some depth there. Let's go back to, to signing day. So you've got these guys down um, at the All-Star game giving their stories and kind of putting some words to what we thought about. Here's the most interesting thing to me. I don't know if this is accurate, but this is what they said. Edric Houston, and obviously we have people who want you to talk about Edric Houston, um, said it came right down to the end. He needed to be reassured that Larry Johnson was staying. Amaris Williams said he was going to go to Ohio State, but was convinced Larry Johnson was leaving. So uh, explain that one to me and kind of bring us up to speed there. So I think with Edric Houston, obviously it's well documented by now. Yes, it is. Monday and Tuesday, I was reporting that I thought that the young man would still end up with Ohio State. Wednesday morning, there's a post where I wrote that I thought he was still good with Ohio State. And then I get a call like eight minutes later that says, hey, this young man's going to go to Bama. Like there's people around uh, Buford that think he's going to go to Bama. Buford High. So I reported that whether that I I think there was truth to that, obviously, or I wouldn't have reported it. Um, 
what I didn't get in time to pivot it back to Ohio State is that Ohio State was struggling to get Edric and his mom on the phone too. So I had that information. In addition to me reporting that people around Buford thought that Edric Houston was going to go to Alabama, I'm talking to Ohio State. They can't get Edric on the phone. They can't get his mom on the phone. I'm like, this is not good. Right. You know. Yeah. Now, Ohio State. And it's Alabama. Right. And he had visited Alabama. And so Ohio State, I had, uh, you know, written that was his dream school. And he said as much again, like that was the place he wanted to be. They led for his process. Larry Johnson, the track record, just being in Columbus special. Uh, but the guys, the, the Larry Johnson thing was very relevant. The one thing I didn't know was as relevant as it was, was that, um, how do you allow someone from another staff to tell you something and not ask the social? No, that's, that's another, that's, that's Mrs. Sanchez talking about Amaris Williams, I believe just the general right. sense of it. Right. So, so, um, Steve, Mrs. Uh, Sanchez right. gets priority here. Okay, dude. She said they got a big moment coming up here they on, sure do. on Saturday. Uh, so the one thing I didn't know was as big a deal was the Ohio state players going in the transfer portal that he wanted clarity on. I just knew that Alabama was getting a lot of momentum going into his final announcement. The, what I didn't, what I wasn't able to catch before he announced for Ohio state is that Ryan day did indeed get a chance to talk to him a few minutes before he went out there, calm the waters and got Edric Houston in the fold. And that is a major that is a major uh, recruiting win for Ohio State because he's as high motored a player as there is in the country at the point of attack. The way he hustles, the way he plays the game, the intangibles that Edric Houston has in addition to the tangibles are off the charts. He's going to be a big time player for the Buckeyes. For And Ryan Day, he is going to war at the end here in these recruiting process. And I think that in the NIL game that we're seeing right now, Ohio State is not bringing a knife to gunfights anymore. All right. They are contenders uh, in that arena. Now, they may not bring a bazooka into the arena, but they're not bringing a machete either. You know, so I think that Ohio State is 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 starting to uh, give themselves opportunity to compete in that regard, as they recruit the best players in the country, I've seen that more this cycle than ever before. And I think that's also why they were able to come back around on Amaris Williams. But they didn't win, obviously. But Amaris Williams, when he visited Ohio State the first time during the fall, there were a lot of people around him that said he's about to decommit from Florida and flip to Ohio State. That ultimately didn't happen. He comes back to Ohio State for a second game. That, that buzz was not as strong but still, Ohio State's in great position. They got a good chance to land this guy. Auburn comes in at the end. Florida's doing what they can to keep him. I do think Ohio State maneuvered themselves to put themselves back in position over the last 24, 48 hours, but he ended up going to Auburn. But I just think that that was a sign to me that Ohio State, they're going to battle for these guys that they think are difference makers in all aspects moving forward. And so I think that's exciting if you follow Ohio State football recruiting. Larry Brake, uh, how many times did Harbaugh lose to Michigan? I think he means um, Day. How many times did they lose to Michigan? Now they're being rewarded for not blowing things up. No, he's how many Excuse times me, how many times did Harbaugh lose to Ohio State? State? I Look, apologize. Beauty, interrupting you. Sorry. So, so Jim Harbaugh was able to make a lot of staff changes that ultimately took Michigan team that was winning 10 or 11 
They got a brand new strength coach who's arguably the best strength coach in college football. Coach Herbert, when was he hired? He's he he's been as influential to a college football program as any in the country. Sharon Moore, the D, the the defensive coordinators, Jesse Minner now, but the the guy who went back to the Ravens. Why am I drawing a blank? I'm a man's name before Jesse Minner. Um, those guys were were crucial hires uh, that I think have helped take take a program that wasn't beating Ohio State but was still pretty damn good and help them get those extra inches. And so that, you know, Ohio State, they're in the process of trying to find those extra inches again themselves. But it's not far, man. I mean, again, they had Georgia on the ropes last year. They played Michigan very close on the road this year. It's not like they're they're closer than Michigan was when Michigan had to reinvent their coaching staff is kind of my point. So this is my opinion. So if anyone's going to get upset about this, direct it to me. Send all your letters to me. I believe Michigan's major advantage is the fact that they canceled the 2020 game. Now they have, what, 44 super seniors? And they didn't get their butt kicked on national. Listen, if they had played the pandemic game, go back and look. They'd have lost by 70. Okay? They kept everybody, and they were the more veteran team, and, and it paid off for them. I'll have to see them do this consistently now. Um, and, and if they can, then that's that's credit to them. I think Michigan's in for a very interesting time after their uh, game here, but you got to give them credit. They rolled the dice. When everyone was getting on them for uh, the cheating, they never came out and said they weren't cheating. They just said they didn't want to be suspended because they wanted to get a chance to get their run in. And uh, – they cheated and they got their run in and they may win the national championship. And I also want the mind if you can take the banner away, but if they win the national championship, you can't take, I mean, you won't be able to take the emotion away and the, and the feelings. So I don't, I don't buy into that. Let's talk this. <clears throat> Do you think Ohio state has lost any of its luster on the recruiting trail? I would certainly think not. If you've already crystal balled Jared Curtis to Ohio state, the 26 quarterback, they already have Tavian St. Clair in the fold. Kind of give us your outlook as we approach 35 minutes on the show here. Kind of your look at Ohio State's recruiting 2025 and maybe out there. I think that when top prospects are talking about their top schools, you're going to see Ohio State on the short list for many of them. And again, it goes back to NFL draft, player development, when you come on campus and you spend time with the players, the players love being part of the program, uh, the culture at Ohio State, um, the way that the players carry themselves around recruits on campus, that's big. And so I think that uh, over 110,000 fans, the, some of the best attendance in college football, the highest TV ratings in the land, um, Ohio State's not going anywhere in these blue chip recruiting battles. I think they've had a top five class just about every year. I've been at 24 seven sports going back to 2010 and, and uh, this going to be another good NFL draft for Ohio state coming up. So I, I don't see, I don't see the, I haven't seen any drop off on the trail for Ohio state here. Um, again, at the end, they signed Jeremiah Smith and and, and they got no Eddie Houston in the fold and those were wars to the end. And, and people like to accuse us uh, for clickbait. Look, I would like to not write any of these names. I'm on salary, all right? So I don't get any extra money by going back to the same well. 
I'm not at that well because I want to be there and say, hey, this young man is really thinking about flipping. That's the last thing I want to do. I want to cross names off. The perfect signing day for me would be analysis on why it's a good class for everybody. Certainly not. Is he going to flip? Is he not going to flip? Who's having the last minute conversation? What's the last offer? Where's the NIL at? No, uh, it, I'm on salary again. That should be that's my, when, when people say it's clickbait. I'm just going to say I'm on salary. Generally speaking, people get into sports writing to cover sports, not uh, NIL negotiations. Um, what do you believe is the chance that Aaron Nolan comes in and can honestly compete for the starting job? That's very difficult for a true freshman. But I will say this. I do think the full Coopers as backs said, and um, just all the tomfoolery, everything's on the table for the first time since day has been here. Like anything's on the table. He has green light. Now. I think if you whack most of his staff besides a few guys, I think people would understand it. If he brings them all back, so be it. Um, but from the quarterback perspective, I think we headed into the cotton bowl thinking this is a Devin Brown, uh, audition and certainly that was short-circuited and then Lincoln just didn't look ready the offensive line in my opinion did not provide a chance for any quarterback to look successful however there is talk now that hey look Aaron Nolan if he can come in and do it should they go get Will Howard uh, or should they get another transfer portal quarterback the question is is the guy on the roster now is it Aaron Nolan do they wait until the spring to go get a quarterback Aaron Nolan do you believe he's seasoned enough to come in here right now and play quarterback. I mean, I think intangibly he, he'll be ready for the stage of what it takes to play quarterback at Ohio state. This is hard. It's hard to be a true freshman at a place like Ohio state where you're trying to win 13, 14 games. You're not trying to win eight, nine and just show promise. So I'd be hard pressed to say that Air Nolan is going to come in and beat out some of these other guys that I think are still pretty talented. Uh, Lincoln Keenels, it's quite the jump from South Dakota to a New Year's Six bowl game um, when Devin Brown's probably getting the majority of the snaps leading up to the ball game. You know, let's uh, let's give these guys another off season and see how they continue to develop. Now, I would go into the portal. If I can get a guy uh, like, you know, Howard from Kansas State, that would be hard for me to say no to, but I'm not inside the Woody. So it's easy for me to say that from the suburbs of Indianapolis, but I would want to just put as much competition in the room as possible and let the cream rise to the top. But I don't have to worry about a culture and a roster and a depth chart and all that. I'm just selfishly saying, let's uh, let's just get as many talented guys in the room as possible. Um I think that fascinating. I'll tell you that. I, I think that for me, I would go into the portal at that position and you never know who's going to be in the portal after spring football either. Now. Exactly. You know, and so there could be some good, there could be a good quarterback in the portal in April as well. That, that uh, could help help any program in the country at any position. So there's time. I, I think that Ohio state, the portal would be an exciting option for them. Here's why it's really interesting to me is that, um, you know, day is certainly at a crossroads. We talked about this, that um, 
it's a huge season for him. And is he going to trust it to a young, even if Devin Brown's the quarterback, a young, inexperienced quarterback, or is he going to go with the one-year semi-stopgap approach? Because I don't think, if you, like we've talked about this, if you bring in a guy theoretically um, who's got several years of eligibility left, then you're worrying about, Aaron Nolan and Tavian St. Clair and stuff like that. I don't think you want to do that. Um, and you've got people compl- – uh, here's the last one of the points. Will Howard, 24 touchdowns and 10 interceptions. That's foul. That's fine. When you watched Indiana play against Ohio State with Michael Penix, people, did you think he was going to eventually be leading Washington to the national championship? I didn't. If you put Will Howard at Ohio State and we can fix the offensive line and you have – theoretically the offensive guru throwing to look if a Mecca comes back and Mecca Cardinal Tate, Brandon Ennis and Jeremiah Smith. Is that a good receiving quartet, Steve? Absolutely. I mean, Ohio state's got a special receiver room and you kind of talked about earlier, Jeremiah McClellan leaving the class. It's not always the top receiver recruit that ends up being the Buckeyes top receiver. So they're recruiting you they think you have a chance to be receiver number one they thought that about all these guys in this class thought that about all the guys in the last class feel that about the young man from coco in the 2025 class boggs who had an amazing uh junior season so ohio state they're gonna have skill players they're gonna have great receivers uh, out there uh, it'll be interesting to see how that running back room continues to come along um, but they're certainly going to have some guys that can make plays in space. Some people don't agree with we're sunshine pumping here to this some sunshine pumping. This is a, this is a real conversation about where this is at. People are hurt, Steve. They're hurt. Look, Two look, full that's, in a row. that's the standard of the program and people should be hurt. And, and, and I love the conversation and dialogue about what Ohio state can do to get back to the top of the mountain. But the baseline is, still one of the best programs in the country, just trying to find an inch or two. Uh, Now it's hard as hell. If you're shooting 67 to shoot 66 or 65, don't get me wrong. It's a lot, it's a lot easier to go from hundred to 90 to 80 to 70 than it is from 68 to 66. That's where your guys' golf game is at. Um, But I I was getting the, I was feeling like some of y'all were thinking that this team was eight and four this year, the way way some of y'all are talking. It's kind of uh, – it's like Thomas Ridley says, man, nine years since the last natty. Um, I certainly don't think we're nine years away from the next one. We could do this all day. Steve's on it. He will uh, keep you abreast of everything. Keep it locked into Bucknuts. And, ladies and gentlemen, the sky is not far. Have a good day. Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. Are you still listening? Good. Take a deep breath. You needed a break. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount Plus. So, yes, you can literally stream a stream. Paramount Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation.